you are not only saving a child's life, you're breathing life back into that family. We have phenomenal research, outstanding clinical care, and the generosity of public, which allow us to treat patients regardless of what it takes. At St. Jude, families never receive a bill for treatment, travel, housing, or food, because the only thing a family should worry about is helping their child live. Because of you. Because of you. Because of you. There is St. Jude. Donate now at stjude.org. Tiki Hut Media. Pop the top on your favorite beer, or whatever you drink, from Tiki Hut Media. This is Soul Ramblings with Jerry Wicker. Hey there, welcome in to the last episode for 2021 of Soul Ramblings Podcast. I'm Jerry, got my beer cracked open, hope you do too. We're ready to talk about faith and life one more time this year before we break into a new year of 2022. And this week we're going to look at John 18, 33 through 38. We'll take a look at that scripture coming up here in the next few minutes and talk about the gospel truth. What is truth? That's what Pilate asked in that passage we're going to talk about. But before we get to all of that, wanted to take a look back over the past year. It was in mid-April we did an episode on self-sabotaging bad habits. We talked about bad habits we must break to stop sabotaging ourselves. Ended up being the most popular segment all year long. It was the most downloaded, the most, the, it got the most comments, and the most responses. Thought I would, as we reflect on 2021 and leading into 2022, we would air that brief episode, that segment of that episode, talking about self-sabotaging bad habits, and then we'll get into today's scripture. You know, I can become an angry old guy pretty easily sometimes. All it takes is a bad day on social media or a red light, and I'm raging with a smile on my face. The drama unfolds in my head so you can't see it. It's far too easy to blame a rejection or a failure or whatever is going on on outside circumstances. And after nearly 55 years on this rock, one thing I've learned the hard way is this. We sabotage our own potential. How does it happen? Well, we adopt bad habits that secretly eat our dreams for breakfast. Here are some of the bad habits that I have found to do the most damage that you may recognize in your own life. The first one is blowing up at feedback. When someone at work gives you feedback, do you blow up? Do you run around to everybody in the office or the workplace and bitch about that person and say nasty things about them? You know, feedback is glorious. You don't have to take all feedback, but... At least you can ponder it. Nobody is 100% wrong about anything. We sabotage our own potential when we refuse to take feedback. Another thing is negative self-talk. My mind can quickly get out of control and start analyzing situations that are completely unrelated. The solution my negative self-talk comes up with is almost never implemented. It's just useless conversation that's supposed to be the dress rehearsal for when I have that real conversation with that person that supposedly got in my way. Oh, I'm a, I'm a big tough guy in my head, but I'm pretty much a teddy bear when it comes to the actual performance. We can't completely eliminate our self-talk, but we can't interrupt it. How? Break the pattern. You're a smart cookie. 
When you notice your negative self-talk is out of control, use a pattern interrupt. A solution I have is I've taken up walking. I love to go outside and walk, especially with the beautiful weather we've been having. Just go outside, take a walk, and sweat, and let that negative self-talk just sweat right out of you and out of your mind and onto the asphalt. (laughs) We all have negative self-talk. It's what you do to minimize it, not eliminate it, that stops you from sabotaging your potential. Another thing we do is we all play a part in our own nightmares. You know, nobody is entirely to blame for our shortcomings. When we blame others, all we do is prevent ourselves from observing what we could do better and learning from the experience. The solution? Take responsibility. Turn to self-reflection. Every problem can become a chance to reflect. Quit the blame game or you'll go insane. Another thing I've seen happen is seeking pity. Now, when problems happen in life, we often make the mistake of doing what I call the pity road show. You know, the pity road show where you travel around the Internet on social media or on the phone or start texting or whatever. And the show starts with explaining the problem and then hoping the other person can feel the disappointment and feed into it. And there's just no sense in that circus act. It gets us nowhere every time. And the other person that we're talking to just ends up feeling drained and uninspired by it. My wife calls these people emotional vampires. (laughs) The solution is this. As we talk to people during these moments, pre-warn them. Let them know, I had a bad day today, and I might get into a pity party. And if I end up going there, then just let me know that. Be open and honest with me. Gives people permission to stop me from seeking the pity. And once you get past that, you can move on to the solution and begin to make real progress. Another thing we do to self-sabotage is not appreciating how far we've come. A bad habit I've learned to stop is not being grateful. When we hit a huge milestone and we fail to acknowledge those feats, we rob ourselves of the enjoyment we get from the process of creating. You have come further than you realize, my friend. But if you don't take time to stop and see how far you've come, you'll miss the opportunity and derail the meaning and fulfillment from it all and limit your potential. We doubt our future. I used to doubt my future all the time and sometimes still do. It's a bad habit and it's not good for us. When we doubt ourselves, we subconsciously commit criminal acts against ourselves that sabotage our potential. Doubting our future causes unsubstantiated worries to creep into our life and anxiety and depression to thrive in the weeds of our mind. There is nothing to doubt about the future because it hasn't happened yet. What changed my life was realizing I create the future based on exactly what I do right now, not tomorrow. The actions we take today determine our future, not our doubts. We have unlimited potential when we stop or at least notice the bad habits of blowing up at feedback, negative self-talk, blaming everybody else, seeking pity, giving up too easily, and not appreciating how far we've come and doubting our future. You can sabotage your own potential, and that means you have control to get out of your own way when outside circumstances get in the way. Okay, self-sabotaging bad habits. Apparently, a lot of you resonated with that episode. That full episode can be heard. You can go back and listen to that. It's episode number 23 from April 14th. Today, we're looking at the gospel truth, 
John 18, verses 33 through 38, hear the word of the Lord. Then Pilate entered the headquarters again, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you ask this on your own, or did others tell you about me? Pilate replied, I'm not a Jew, am I? Your own nation and the chief priests have handed you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not from this world. If my kingdom were from this world, my followers would be fighting to keep me from being handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not from here. Pilate asked him, So are you a king? Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this I was born, and for this I came into the world, to testify to the truth. Everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. Pilate asked him, What is truth? This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Sitting here, drinking beer, talking God, amen, amen. I saw a picture recently. Actually, it was in a church. It was a mural. And in the fellowship hall, there was a mural of Jesus. And it wasn't Jesus dying on the cross. It wasn't even Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. Instead, it was a mural of Jesus laughing his butt off. And it was perfect. You see, the disciples in our scripture reading have betrayed, abandoned, and denied Jesus, arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane, dragged before the high priest and scribes, and now he stands alone, accused before Pontius Pilate. Who are you exactly? Is what Pilate asks him. Now, mind you, when Jesus entered the city on the back of a donkey surrounded by a modest crowd, Pilate was also entering the city. But he came with the pomp and circumstance, the horses and soldiers and banners and the cheering crowds and such. And now, just a few days later, here the two of them are. They're sitting face to face. Are you the king of the Jews? As in, really, I think he means, are you a threat to my empire? And Jesus responds, do you really want to know? Or did others tell you about me? And I can imagine Pilate saying something like, Look, why do you keep answering all my questions with questions? It's your own people who have delivered you to my throne. So tell me, what did you do? Jesus says, my kingdom is not from this world. If it were, my disciples would be storming the gates of your palace and doing everything in their power to take your power away. But as it is, my kingdom is different. So Pilate asks, so you are a king then? Jesus responds with, If you say so, but it really doesn't matter. For this I was born. For this I came into the world. I'm here to tell the truth. And everyone who belongs to the truth listens to my voice. And then Pilate says these words, What is truth? And that's where the text ends. That unanswerable question dangling in the air. What is truth? But I want to remind all of us what happens next. For I believe It actually answers the question. After this, Pilate goes out to the religious leaders again and tells them that he finds no case against Jesus. And yet, Pilate knows there is a custom every year on Passover during which the empire's representative would release one person from captivity. So Pilate goes to the crowds and he says, Do you want me to release Jesus, this so-called king of the Jews? And they yell in response, No! Give us the insurrectionist Barabbas instead. Pilate let the crowds choose who they will say. Jesus is beaten and 
You know the story of all of the torture he went through. He's adorned with a crown of thorns and a purple robe. He carries the instrument of his own death to the place called the skull, and they put an inscription over him that says, This is the king of the Jews. Why was Jesus killed? That's almost as difficult a question to answer as, what is truth? After all, wasn't Jesus just trying to get us all to be a little kinder to one another? If the gospel and the ministry of the Lord is merely treat others as you wish to be treated, then why did Jesus end up on the cross? You don't kill someone for asking you to be nice. You kill someone when you can't handle their truth. What happens in and to Jesus is not something that is personal or private as we sometimes water down the faith. What happens in and to Jesus is very public and very political. If the authorities wanted to be rid of Jesus, they could have taken care of it easily and tossed his body into some random alley in Jerusalem, but they wanted to make an example of him. This is what happens for those who call into question the truth of the empire. And yet, here, we confront the terrifying and life-giving reality that our king rules from the cross. Jesus' throne is not built on the blood of his enemies. The only blood it contains is his own. Celebrating the reign of Christ is but one way of proclaiming the gospel truth. If we believe that Jesus is Lord, then that means something has to change about who we are and what we do. Or, to put it simply, what we believe shapes how we behave. The world tells us to earn all we can. The kingdom tells us we already have all we need. The world tells us that winners finish first. The kingdom tells us that the last shall be first. The world tells us that we are defined by our mistakes. The kingdom tells us that we are defined only by our king. It doesn't get more political than that. And yet, Inherent in today's proclamation is the challenge of coming to grips with what it means to pledge allegiance to our king. Now, we live in a democracy. We don't know what it means to have a king. Kings are not chosen. So to be clear, Jesus is not our president, and for good reason. We never would have picked him. Turn the other cheek, go the extra mile, take up your cross and follow me. Those don't make for very good campaign slogans. Contrary to how it has been portrayed in the church or even in our wider culture, we never really pick Jesus. When all is said and done, when the King of kings and Lord of lords comes to dwell among us, we nail him to the cross. We, to put it bluntly, pick Barabbas instead, which makes some of Jesus' final words all the more powerful. Forgive them, Lord for they don't know what they are doing. Jesus isn't trying to win an election. He's not trying to convince us of anything. He's not offering empty promises about the next two to four years. Instead, Jesus elects us to a kingdom that we would never choose on our own. He brings the future and the truth to us. When we're sitting in church on Sunday morning, some of us are there because we can't imagine being anywhere else. I mean, it's Sunday after all, but there's a good chance that a whole lot of us are there because we're looking for the truth. For as much as the kingdoms of the world are built on the blood of enemies, they are also founded on fabrications. The world is built and sold and traded 
on lies. But not here, not in the church. We are an outpost of the kingdom of God in foreign territory. Let me say that again. We are an outpost of the kingdom of God in foreign territory, which is another way of saying we are strangers in a strange land. Many are suffocating under the oppressive power of deception. The powers and principalities of this world are constantly vying for our allegiances. They do everything in their power to convince us that power comes through strength, that tribalism will rule the day, and that the most important animal is either a donkey or an elephant. It's why so many of us now dread family reunions, because it forces us to confront that wayward uncle with the undesirable political opinion who, with every extra glass of wine, continues to say things that boil our blood. Listen to me. The donkey and the elephant can't and won't save us. They, in large part, exist to instill a sense of freedom that actually results in isolation. They attempt to rid us of our baptismal identities, to tell us that our political identities are more important. They promise a salvation that just leads to more division. But here's the good news, the really, really good news. Our king rules from the throne of the cross, the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world, ours included. And that's why Jesus laughs. Jesus laughs at our foolishness and thinking that we can save ourselves, that we can fix all the problems in the world. You want to know what's wrong with the world? (laughs) We are. When the bonds forged by the names on our bumper stickers become more determinative than the bonds that are forged in baptism, then we have fallen prey to the elephant and the donkey in the room. But we are Jesus people. We believe telling the truth is the beginning of a revolution of the heart. We confess Jesus as our Lord, which means that the most important political animal is the Lamb of God. Jesus is the truth incarnate, come to set us free. You want to answer Pilate's question, what is truth? That's it. Jesus is the truth incarnate, come to set us free. Thanks be to God. Offered to you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Sitting here, drinking beer, talking God, amen, amen. We'll be right back after this short break. The law firm of Becker and Lindauer represent victims all over the state of Florida. All too often, insurance companies try to convince injured motorists, passengers, pedestrians, and other injured claimants to accept less than their case is worth. Whether it be a car crash, a trucking accident, a motorcycle wreck, a bicycle accident, or an injured pedestrian, it is imperative that you have legal representation to assist you. Becker and Lindauer are dedicated to putting their decades of legal experience to work for you. With proven results, Becker and Lindauer is ready to fight for you. With 45 years of combined experience in personal injury law, the team of Dave and Danielle are highly qualified and ready to help you. Call today for a free consultation, 941-567-6728. Again, area code 941-567-6728. Or visit Becker and Lindauer online at the website in the show notes. I hope you have a great New Year's Eve and New Year weekend, and I'll see you in the brand new year. 
2022 next week. As always, I am so very thankful for your time, the gift and privilege of your time. I know how valuable your time is. If you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, or you have a minute to give a rating and a review, it would really help us get new subscribers. Really would appreciate it if you would do that. Here's a last piece of advice for you. If you believe in goodness and if you value the approval of God, fix your minds on whatever is true and honorable and just and pure and lovely and praiseworthy. Until next time on Soul Ramblings Podcast, grace, peace, cheers. Thanks for listening to Soul Ramblings with Jerry Wicker. Download new episodes every week. And if you haven't already, subscribe and be sure to leave us a rating and review. Soul Ramblings is a Tiki Hut Media production.